sifter.com.au. Hello and welcome to Lightmap from Sifter. On Lightmap, we have conversations and explore the culture of games and interactive media. You meet game makers from all around the world. And my name is Gianni. Thanks so much for joining me. My guest returns for another year to guide us through some of the best sounds of 2023. That's right, the wonderful Mina Shamali, composer, lecturer, and host of ABC Classics, The Game Show. Mina, thank you so much for joining me once again. My sheer pleasure, Gianni. We, we can't wait to find out what you've been working on this year and the, the, the games that you have picked for us to have a listen to. Um, but before we jump into that, let's find out what's been making the news on Walkthrough, which is Sifter's weekly news podcast. Hi, I'm Fiona Bartholomew. And I'm Kyle Paletto. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 10th of March. We have the highlights from this week's Xbox Partner Preview. Roguelike deck builder Bellatro pulled from stores due to misunderstanding about its gambling content. A 2.4 million US dollar settlement has killed the two biggest Switch and 3DS emulators. And this year's BAFTA award nominations are here. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or on our website, sifter.com.au, every Sunday. Join the Sifter community on Discord at sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. When uh, we said that you were going to come on the show last year, I said, oh, maybe pick about 10. And you gave us about how many do you remember tracks? Uh, 12 million. 12 million, um, yeah. And so we thought we'd pair it back a little bit this year and went went for eight. And how many did you give me? Eight. I actually gave you eight this time. Uh, 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 my friend, you gave me 10, in, in fact. So 10 different tracks from eight games. So I think okay, we'll Okay, call... fine. Okay. No, I just meant eight scores, okay? okay? Eight games. All right. But there's a very good reason. Like when you have those two extra tracks, there's a very good reason I offered that. All right. Well, it does. I guess the ones you've picked have got a really nice variation. So there are um, some good examples in there as well. So, But before we kick off for that, for, for people who haven't come across your work before, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and, and the things that you've been working on in 2023? Uh, so every week I uh, get to talk about video game music on the radio, on ABC Classic, uh, The Game Show. It's, uh, you know, just gone through six years, six seasons. Um, in community terms, that means a movie's coming next, but uh, I'm actually going to a seventh uh, year, so I'm really excited about this. Uh, essentially, just an hour of really great video game music, you know, the big hits, the classics, uh, those kind of new releases, and uh, just some of those, like, gems that are hidden that you don't you like maybe a few people have heard but i just love to expose uh expose these wonderful soundtracks and creative composers uh, to a bigger audience and thankfully it's not even just an australian audience it's an international audience because of the magic of online radio and like we live in a magical age gianni we definitely do and what i love about the show as well is sometimes you're able to sort of pick out the gems in the soundtrack, in the score of games. And, you know, that may not even be the conversation about that game in games media, but you find mm. really interesting things as part of that. Um, but one of the other big things uh, to you is you're actually put out a few games this year with, with your work on it, haven't you? Yes. Uh, so 
it was a game I was working on for like four years, just on and off through pandemic, through uh, a bunch of other things. Enchanted, uh, and we finally that game finally came out in March, and uh, the score combines some of my favorite musicians uh, from these lands, First Nations musicians, uh, to go with the kind of First Nations themes uh, that are displayed in the story of Enchanted. Patterson playing double bass, electric bass, percussion, and uh, Bilma, clapsticks. Uh, Kieran and Ironfield playing Yidaki, also uh, the name of the didgeridoo. And Eric Avery uh, playing violin. And Eric Avery was one of those kind of dream castings for me. <laughs> dream musical castings. It's like, oh, I really want to get that guy to play on the soundtrack. And then lo and behold, he did. It was amazing. Uh, and yeah, then I also uh, worked with, with my wife and creative partner natalie jeffries uh on a soundtrack for a game called every you of you it's a visual novel and uh just had a really kind of fun lo-fi chilled out vibe with a lot of really uh fun dynamic ideas uh it's where jewelry is enchanted with emotions <laughs> uh and uh yeah and then beyond that uh i also get to do quite a bit of session music um doing some middle eastern vocals for the latest game in the Total War series, Total War Pharaoh. Composed by Ian Livingston and Ed Watkins, and I just basically got to sing throughout the whole the whole score uh, with a lot of kind of Middle Eastern vowels and uh, even some slight ancient Egyptian language. Which oh, really? Tell me more about that. <laughs> um, it wasn't really much. It's not. It's not that much in the score, but every now and then, uh, Ed Watkins, one of the two composers, just asked me to say, "Hey, you know, can you do some kind of syllables as well as vowels, as well as these kind of like oohs and ahs?" I was like, "Hmm." Well, this is, you know, Pharaoh times. This is like old Pharaoh times. I'm going to find some uh, ancient Egyptian poetry, ancient Egyptian uh, prayers to Pharaonic gods. Uh, and because I also come from the Coptic church, which uh, uses the Coptic language, which is one of the ancient Egyptian languages. Uh, so I grew up kind of singing in that language as well. So I'd kind of like grab little bits that, can feel relevant and can feel kind of universal to that era. And uh, yeah, just kind of mix and match. And it's uh, <laughs> just a really fun kind of extra historical context that I felt very proud of that I could bring. It's so cool when you can layer all these little pieces in, you know, and then someone can listen to it at one level and there's all these other different levels that can be enjoyed uh, as people go through. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to play a little bit of um, uh, Every Hue of You because this soundtrack is definitely a vibe. <laughs> Thank you. 
Now let's talk about some of your selections uh, that you have picked for this year. Um, kicking us off is an Australian-made game, um, one that has just been nominated for a Grammy Award in the second year that uh, it has ever been run. And it's really interesting because the game and the music are one and the same. You can't really separate them. To say that this is a soundtrack is sort of selling it short. So let's have a listen to the first piece that you selected. Like a boat lost at sea I'm about to Incredible one. I just love that song. It kicks off really the, the whole game itself. It's one of the first pieces you see. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, Adrift, uh, which is Austin Wintry, and Montaigne, one of the opening songs of Stray Gods. Stray Gods, the role-playing musical. Basically, this whole score, this really it's really weird to call this whole score, this whole game, this whole experience, uh, as you said, one and the same. Music, gameplay, interactive uh interactive score just interactive storytelling when you make a choice that affects the story affects the song affects the lyrics affects the arrangement the musicality every part of it um and this is the opening the opening song of this of this game now stray gods uh greek mythology in modern day via murder mystery a bit of film noir and musical theater and that doesn't even describe the interactivity of it and uh this kind of set setting the scene, uh, Laura Bailey and Ashley Johnson duetting. That's, that's that's beautiful. Two of the most renowned actresses in video games, and this sets the scene like it's a, it's a fixed point, but it presents you with the first choice uh, of the game towards the end. And I don't know this whole idea of just having uh, having a score in a game that has this massive choice system that wraps through, and that means it's infinitely replayable. Um, just it, it blows my mind. I remember when uh, Austin Wintry was in town uh, in September for this wonderful concert. I got to I got to present and host uh, at Hamer Hall in Melbourne. Uh, it's called Indie Symphony, and it was put on by Orchestra Victoria, who performed throughout this whole score. Every time you hear a song and you hear strings in that song, that is Orchestra Victoria. If it's a score, if it's instrumental score, that's Nashville Scoring Orchestra, but Orchestra Victoria are always accompanying the vocalists beautifully. And so they put on this concert to celebrate indie video game music. Uh, (laughs) And I remember Austin comes out, Austin and uh, Tripod as well, who were... uh, uh the other songwriters on the rest of it uh alongside montaigne and they come out and and i just austin tripod i have one question for y'all what the hell like just what the hell how did you conceive of something like this it's it's 
ridiculous. But this 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 duet, this duet, just with the heartfelt writing of Montaigne, uh, and I love the fact that Austin Wintrow always says, "Man, I want to write lyrics, but they just do not come out of me." So he collaborates with some fabulous lyricists to make it happen. And Montaigne, top choice. Yeah, incredible. What I think is really cool about Stray Gods is because it has such a dynamic, you know, choice based um soundtrack when you go through the songs are actually changing as you're, you're playing through them um austin's actually described that in a lot of the youtube playthrough there's almost like a musical notation where the choices that people make are actually described in that so you can choose either red blue or green and things are kind of marked as rbg depending on the choices throughout <laughs> yeah. the song it's really interesting that the way that that has kind of been uh, translated to uh you know people to describe the, the choices because every playthrough is completely completely mm. different so very very interesting and you've, you've speaking of different you've i mean this song that was sort of a beautiful ballady sort of song uh, that we heard there and you've got something pretty different as well from the same soundtrack tell me a little bit about this yes one. so adrift uh, features montaigne the other songwriters as you mentioned tripod australia's one of australia's to me premier comedy bands uh but fantastic writers it's so weird because comedy I feel like comedy is one of the hardest things to do. It's maybe the thing that a lot of people do, attempt to do, but to actually pull it off, that is not an easy thing. And it requires such exacting standards when you're writing. And, you know, the standards don't come better for me than Tripod, who are fabulous musicians, fabulous writers. And uh, this piece, Challenging a Queen, where uh, Laura Bailey's Grace, the protagonist, uh, faces off with Persephone in her underground nightclub. Hello? <laughs> testing one, two, testing three. Is this thing on? Are you testing me with your coterie? Ogling expectantly. Heads up, wrecking me. Won't come for free. See, it won't be easy, Persephone. When I use the moves I bring blessedly. Shadows don't scare me. See, I'll survive it. Maybe you want to do this in private. You're lost, little girl. Wasting our time now The gall of a squeaking mouse In a lion's den But that feels very musical theatre Like very, mm. like You feel like you're on the stage with them in a way Yeah, and uh, what I love about this is Every one of those choices The, the red being the aggressive The uh, green being the charming And the blue being the clever uh, Every one of those choices Comes with a kind of signature instrument so what you heard there, the electric bass being played by Alex Bocala, who also, uh, he also wrote this, the actual music here in the nightclub in hell. Uh, he plays the electric bass and he just, he does, he does a mean funky bass. If you've ever seen uh, funk bass covers of video game scores uh, on YouTube, this is the guy who does them. Uh, and, you know, just <laughs> Austin brings him along to, to represent the, uh, the kick-ass choices. So if you choose the charming choice, the green uh, path, that's uh, Niall Wilson playing the harp. Uh, she's also known as Harpsona. And if you choose the clever path, you hear Andy Leonard on the clarinet. And it's an ch entire change of vibe, an entire change of instrument, change of key as well, uh, and change of chord progression. Everything happens. And even here, you hear Grace start to rap. And just take on a very different uh, choice, uh, which is really it's really fun. And you know, tripod, this and many others just 
delivering on such a great level. And I knew, I knew the minute this uh, game came out, this whole score, the minute I listened to the whole thing, I was like, yeah, this is going to definitely be nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> the bones of it feel like a, like a role-playing game that you would have played, you know, a Bioware-style role-playing game. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's okay if you've got different lines to deliver. But when you're talking about all the different elements of that all being pieced together and those choices building up over time to different conclusions throughout the way through, it's like something, honestly, one of the most unique games that I've seen this year, probably one of the most unique games I've seen for a really long time. It is so. beautiful. It is just absolutely beautiful. And just... Yeah, like the ambition, the ambition is astounding, and this is what I love about video games is that there's we we have seen nothing yet in this medium. As far as we've advanced, we've seen nothing yet, and that just this is a soundtrack that makes me excited about the future of video games. All right, well, from Australia, let's head over to New Caledonia with your next selection. Uh, for 2023. Some beautiful island vibes in there. I love that one. Tell me a little bit more about uh, that piece, which is the the main theme from Chia. Yeah, that main theme from Chia, that's just a representation of this entire experience. I am very impassioned about really good creative cultural engagement. It's a really, like through through a lot of my work, uh, that's been really a big point of focus. And I think sometimes people get worried is like, wait, I can get creative if, if I'm not part of that culture. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not even about, uh, about, you know, oh, you're going to represent it badly. And it's good. That's part of it. True. But honestly, it's just, if you play with a culture that is in your own, um, often the results are boring. If you don't go beyond kind of the known cliches, the, the kind of surface level stuff, and you might dive in a little deeper and be like, oh, yeah, this is cool. But when you dive in really deep, I think it always shows. And it, there's a lot of play for collaboration. And this soundtrack, Chia, it's a magical story and a magical version of New Caledonia. And John Robert Matz, American composer, full collaboration and full kind of fellowship with the New Caledonian uh creative directors and the new caledonian musicians who are the voices you hear the vocalists that you hear and like it's a a choir of many people uh across the soundtrack singing in drehu which is the uh one of the main regional languages the main indigenous languages pre-colonial uh because you also hear hear some of these songs in french um and to actually even think that a game can speak to its colonial history in this way, even without being confronting. Like, I'm all for confronting colonization. I'm absolutely all for it. But to have that just represented like, well, this is where we are now. This is the conversation we're having. These are the languages that that we speak. The history of those languages, you can look into that, you know, for better or worse. But it's represented in the 
kind of fullness of the experience of that culture. And just that is, I before even playing the game, this was just special to me. And John Robert Matz, to me, he is one of my favorite composers and one of my favorite people, to be honest. Like he, among the game composer community, he is probably the most gentlemanly. Uh, I don't know what if that's if that's what it is, but like if you meet him, if you ever talk to him, but this dude is just such so respectful and so kind of scholarly in his courtesy, <laughs> um, but at the same time, such a musical chameleon who can do anything, and I just love what he did here. I love hearing you be a, a professional fan of music, Mina. It's really fantastic. <laughs> It's a fun. It's it's a fun fun thing to do. Um, well, let's now move to a, a game that I think a, a lot of people would be familiar with uh, because I mean everyone played it. Everyone played it at it. Won a bajillion <laughs> awards. Um, and you're going to give it another little nod. This one here. Down by the River, which is composed by Borislav Slavov. <laughs> that is arguably one of the main themes from Baldur's Gate 3, uh, a name that is, uh, I don't think, <laughs> a stranger to anyone who's been anywhere near video games this year, or even across the past six years that six years that's been in development. I've just, you know, I just remember just hearing so much about Baldur's Gate 3, Baldur's Gate 3. I was like, I don't know what the big deal is, but I, I was excited because Borislav Slavov is... Uh, a fabulous musician, composer. Uh, on a very personal note, he features the oud, the uh, Middle Eastern lute, one of my favorite instruments in the Your world. Your five, yeah. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, he features it in this score quite a bit and in his uh, previous big score for Larian Divinity Original Sin 2. Uh, he just is a, is a fan of that, that instrument. And I'm like, yeah, great. And hearing it in a fantasy context that is not even remotely Middle Eastern, I love that. And that's what I'm talking about. It's using an instrument from a different culture. This is not even about Down by the River. I'm just talking about Borislav and what he does. Uh, using an instrument from another culture in a creative way that recontextualizes it beautifully my god that's that for me listen to how he he uses uh instruments from different cultures and that to me is a blueprint for how to do it but down by the river my god the amount of times the amount of people have covered this song uh and just the amount of time i heard it and uh, (laughs) how often we hear it in our own home as we play Baldur's gate three my wife and i uh it's just, it just never gets old. I don't know what it is. It's so catchy. It's so earwormy. We talk about Stray Gods being a massive achievement. Baldur's Gate 3 is just as massive on a different in a different way. Um, in in every single aspect of the every, game. Yeah, absolutely. Down by the River, one of the strongest melodies of 2023. You talked about the Oud, and tell me a little bit more about um, some of the other instrumentation here and there that kind of makes it for a richer um, more dynamic uh, sound of a, of a big multicultural world that Baldur's Gate Three actually is. Well, during in a the, you hear a lot of medieval kind of tavern kind of Renaissance instruments. Uh, the 
instrumentation here isn't is just described as string instruments. So basically, you might hear a Renaissance lute, a European lute. You might hear a lyre. Uh, in fact, those are instruments represented in the game. Like if you take, if you become a bard, uh, you can literally carry uh, a lute on your back or a violin or, or a pseudo like a medieval violin. Uh, for for any history buffs, it's the VL or the VA, however it's pronounced. Um, and just percussion that borrows from the Middle East and borrows from Europe, and I think uh, there's a there's also a Bulgarian bent. Uh, because Borislav and a lot of the uh, instrumentals with with which he creates these scores uh, are from Bulgaria, so there is kind of a an interesting Bulgarian kind of sense uh, coming through. Especially, I love the choir that you hear because you hear multiple versions of a choir, but then in one of the main theme uh, representations, you hear this like low choir, and. It's just very kind of hard, hard, hard. It's just like there is kind of that. Uh, it's a bit different to what you'd usually hear in a medieval kind of uh, context, kind of reminiscent of the kind of the, those low male choirs in Lord of the Rings, but it still has its own flavor. I don't know if it's a Bulgarian flavor or an Eastern European flavor, especially. Larian is also a Belgian studio, so I don't actually know where the kind of. I think the boundaries, the cultural lines or uh, any of those kinds of things that divide, th there's no division there. Um, there is an orchestra, there's a choir, but there's also just instruments from across history and across multiple areas that are that are brought into the mix. Well, it's interesting that you've paired uh, these two songs right next to each other because there's been a bit of controversy <laughs> between <laughs> this last game, Baldur's Gate 3, and the next one. But let's have a listen to this because you've put them all equal. I know there's no ranking in this particular list you've made. Let's have a listen to the next piece you've selected. Peter at the beginning, you can definitely tell. Tell me a little bit about yeah. uh, the piece you picked from Marvel's Spider-Man 2, which came out this year. Yeah, Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Look, I had I'd barely played Spider-Man games growing up. You know, I just played a little bit of those, those early titles. But the 2018 Spider-Man was just on another level as a game, as an experience. And musically... Yeah, it's a very cliche thing to say, and kind of the old joke now is like, it makes you feel like Spider-Man. Uh, and it really does. It's felt like actually flying through a Marvel movie. And, you know, this is, this is the magic of what that meant at a certain time was just brilliant. And to actually feel that in a video game, to feel a superhero theme, a really, I don't know, I don't want to say legitimate, but a really kind of bona fide uh, genuine superhero theme. John Paisano, no stranger uh, to writing superhero themes for Daredevil, for the Defenders, for the Marvel series, um, and also no stranger to video games at that point, because I think Spider-Man was his first, but but I think it released at around the same time as Detroit Become Human that he also scored. Uh, but 
he just knows how to command a superhero sound. And then when Miles Morales came around, and I was already kind of a big fan of Miles Morales at that point, across the Spider-Verse, brilliant. And just the character was just very fascinating. I was like, after 60-odd years of, of Peter Parker, getting the Miles Morales take was just brilliant. And hearing the orchestra mixed with hip-hop at that point, brilliant. For me, especially as someone who is a fan of both, I love hip-hop, I love orchestra, I love quote-unquote classical music, and that's a whole other conversation. We're not getting into it right now. Um, but that Miles Morales score with uh, production by Boy Wonder, who's just who's been producing for you know Drake, Nicki Minaj, for Rihanna, for Kendrick Lamar, it, to actually bring that into the, again, quote-unquote classical conversation, strike of genius for me. So when you bring those two characters together into the one game, and for me, you know, seeing how like you can feel musically when you're with Miles and when you're when you're with Peter, and you can actually combine them into the one thing greater together, I I I'm so into that. I'm so into that. And the traversal, like I love kind of you know, especially like I prefer the Miles thing personally only because it's maybe more novel in this in this space yeah. maybe maybe but it's just like because i love hearing a really good electronic uh drum kit or just electronic percussion mixed with traditionally acoustic sounds um and when it's with orchestra it's just big and grand and to really match them it's it's not an easy thing to pull off a lot of people do it now but it's not an easy thing to pull off that well and john paisano with ben billions on this track and, you know, Boy Wonder and Miles Morales just really pulls it off well. And then the rest of the score, which goes into all these different directions with uh, Craven the Hunter and Venom and everything, that, that again, whole other conversation uh, about what's going on there. There's a scale of the Spider-Man games, which I think is, you know, really captured in, in the sound, isn't it? It just, you know, you're a small little person flicking around the buildings in New York, but it just feels massive and you feel like a massive ideal. And I think that's one of the things that I really think about. I think superheroes definitely tend to lean towards that way, right? Um, but yeah, sure. I'm, I'm with you with the, with the you know, the mix of, of, of Miles's feeling and mm. all through that it, it really adds so much to that character and i mean i mean one of the most beloved games of the last uh several years is hollow knight and this is a, a story of very tiny characters on a very grand scale and what really kind of helps deliver that what really helps bridge that for you the music by the wonderful christopher larkin always want to give him a shout out um but that's i think that's really what music can do. It can elevate things. Um, it's it gives you the scale and the stakes to me. Uh, like performance, you know, vocal performance, uh, acting, uh, motion capture, art, everything does a does a hell of a lot. But I think for me, music is that thing that kind of like brings it in. Music and silence sometimes. Sometimes the silence is what really sells you on the. Uh, on a situation. <laughs> so knowing when to when to provide which is fabulous. Silence is something we love in radio. I love it when people include <laughs> silence in something we've played out. It's really great. I love that definitely. So but when I'm playing a game, I totally get what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> 
let's talk now about a series that has been uh, celebrated its 15th uh, anniversary earlier this year and uh, had a bit of a, a spiritual success or a sequel that kind of takes it back uh, to the very earliest days. Uh, let's have a listen to your next selection. So much about setting the vibe, isn't it? When you're in a in a game in a world, when you're visiting that place, uh, tell me a little bit about that. That uh, which is the the Mirage theme from Assassin's Creed Mirage, which actually one of my favorite games of this year. Really enjoyed it because it was nice and short and just did what it was supposed to do. Maybe it's <laughs> oh no Baldur's God. Gate. I can yeah. tell you that definitely. Oh, uh, look, I love I love a short game. Uh, <laughs> personally, it not. This is just the very side notes. This is like I love it. I don't. I don't care about a game that goes on for long if it feels like it had to go on for that long. If a game feels padded out, I get frustrated. It's like, no, no, you you could have just skipped this, or you've made you made all these side missions, quote unquote, optional. But it's like, no, but you're everything's gonna be harder if you don't come on. I get it, I get it, but sometimes sometimes when you've been at this for a while you can see when people when a developer is really or a publisher i don't know who's who's at fault there but um when when they said oh no we need to make it longer we need to make it 60 you don't need to make 60 hours 10 20 hours i promise you is actually more than enough to sell tell your story uh now surprise surprise i picked assassin's creed uh, and you performed on this <laughs> one as well did you mean did you sing in this one <laughs> I, I will not lie. I tried. I did reach out to see if I could. I did. I was too late. Um, but the wonderful vocalist you hear is Leith Sadiq, uh, who is the artistic director of the New York Arabic Orchestra, who also feature across this soundtrack. Uh, and the composer, Brendan Angelides, his first video game is this. Is this he's usually a composer for film and TV. And this is his first attempt at a video game, and he's done such a brilliant job. And again, this speaks to um, cultural engagement within a video game, especially through the music. Like this man, Brandon Angelides, is not a Middle Eastern musician. I don't know what his experience is with Middle Eastern music, but the way he brings in his his collaborators and co-composers, he lists them as co-composers uh, on the tracks where they actually create. Uh, their own parts um just to me this really this this also brings back the original spirit of assassin's creed uh because that first game in 2007 set in uh 12th century palestine and brings in all the different kind of faiths and languages from the region uh and this is what i love here you're in 9th century baghdad uh the capital of iraq and the Vo- the the last few uh, Assassin's Creed soundtracks featured a lot of uh, vocals and a few lyrics. Uh, actually, vocals across Assassin's Creed is always kind of one of those integral parts. But, you know, in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you hear these Nordic vocals by um, 
Einar Selvik from Vardruna, the uh, Nordic, uh, the modern Nordic traditional band. Uh, before that, you heard uh, the flights kind of incorporate ancient Greek, literally the Greek Odyssey in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, and that's just beautiful to be able to actually hear that. Um, and that's not even talking about the diegetic music, the source music that you hear when you're just walking around and there's street musicians or in other places. That, that's a whole other album, a whole other composer, uh, Nima Fakhrara. That's a separate a separate thing. But on this score, uh, to actually hear Arabic being spoken and those words, that that those two phrases, Aina Baiti Man Ana, where is my home and who am I? They're just at the core of what Assassin's Creed's about. And that's why uh that's why I picked the second piece from this from this score. Some people, but a slightly <laughs> different version of that uh, than we have heard in the past. Tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah, Ezio's family, the eight most famous notes in video games, uh, in my opinion, anyway. <laughs> but the theme that you first hear in Assassin's Creed 2 in 2009 by Jesper Kud, uh, iconic and has come up to several Assassin's Creed uh, titles since. And you know, it's kind of the de facto Assassin's Creed theme, even though every game has its own theme that it's that is not this one. But it's like, no, nah, we can't part with these eight these eight notes. Um, but this is the first time, as far as I'm aware, I don't think there's there's ever been lyrics to it. And to hear the that's those same two phrases in the main theme, um, where is my home and who am I? To actually hear it now on this beloved piece of music, uh, I think hits home in a different way. Uh, and to hear Leith Sadiq just sing, he's such a, he's also a violinist you hear across the, across the score, the solo violinist. He does, he's the director of the orchestra and he's also the violinist and just a brilliant vocalist. And I really want to be him when I grow up. You'll get there one day. I'll definitely, I'll, I'll, I'll be there to have a listen to you. Um, speaking of games that have an incredibly long lineage, we've got one that's even older than 15 yeah. years and we're, we're right back to the number one uh, on this next one that you've selected. your mum you were playing Mortal Kombat back in the 90s she probably would have said get that out of my house I don't want you to touch that where did you get that from but if you played her that she might quite like that <laughs> uh, what I love about this theme and Mortal Kombat this is the this is the uh, same composer from Mortal Kombat 11 Wilbur Roger the second and uh, this is a composer who's worked across multiple different games uh, Call of Duty World War 2 he played in he 
worked on Star Wars The Old Republic back in the day. Um, such a magnificent... He's also a sound designer. Um, he also makes... Uh, virtual instruments and sampled instruments for composers to to work with he is a brilliant brilliant presence in this world and i think what i love about this this core and this theme in particular not only does it have instruments from all around the world uh and just kind of like slips in and out of kind of uh cultural fun it's that this theme feels fun feels like it has to me. It has the spirit of that original Mortal Kombat theme, uh, you know. That really catches like uh, it's like da 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 that you know something about this theme being is just like da 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 da. This like it's a very memorable, very singular melody. He's he's not going to try to give you something. So he's not giving you John Williams. He is giving you Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's Mortal Kombat on a massive scale. Well, it's just cool to look at all the instruments listed out in front of me. All of these different. We've got oud. We've got in there. Um, we've got pipa. What's a pipa or piper? Uh, it's a Chinese instrument, sort of like a, a Chinese lute, but that's a very reductionist. Okay, uh, a stringed instrument of some kind. Yes. Yeah. Taiko um, taiko drums as well. You know, we've mm. got um lots of other really cool things there's, in there. there's also i think something that i couldn't find in the credits but you see in the behind scenes video someone's playing an arhu uh which is a chinese fiddle um and also the composer himself he loves to get his hands dirty with dirty with instruments uh he he bows his ba- electric bass guitar as if it were like an upright bass uh but <laughs> It's such a move when people do that, don't oh, you reckon? It's fabulous. It's so fabulous. It's just very beautiful and aggressive along with the orchestra. But he also he also plays the electric guitar that you hear um, in that statement of the melody. Um, it's phenomenal. You can just imagine the spines being ripped out as you're listening to, this, to that particular piece of music. <laughs> da, 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 Haven't da, we come da, such boy. a long way? Haven't we come such a long <laughs> way? Um, I've definitely noticed a bit of a theme this year, Mina. There's definitely some beautiful vocals all the way through uh, everything that you've selected. Um, And this next one is no exception. talking about how long a game can go for and vemba is proudly a short game but uh delivers so much beauty and so here's the thing vemba has something in common with gta in this case yeah go on because (laughs) so in vemba you steal cars no 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 in uh, vemba uh, as in gta most of the music actually comes through the radio oh really the story of Vemba crosses multiple decades um, of this kind of migrant family and how the the it's it's a story being told through food. But as you're cooking, as you're putting the food together and kind of piecing together this uh, these recipes from the remains of uh, of those recipes that were handed down to you, uh, 
you're going through different decades. And so the composer, Alpha something, uh, that's the name. That's literally the name, Alpha something. You didn't forget it. <laughs> no, I didn't forget Yeah, And I love that. I, love, I have to clarify that. It's like that game company. Yeah. Uh, it's literally called that game company. But no, Alpha something uh, crafts these pieces of music that you hear on the radio as you're cooking they're inspired by different uh uh different uh, eras of uh indian cinema of uh, south asian cinema and in this this piece the vocals you heard divya vivek and harish kumar uh just gorgeous uh and just one of very different styles it's very diverse this uh, soundtrack this collection of music and i do not hear enough indian vocals in video games and i think that needs to change uh, and indian instruments in general because again this is one of those things where i have heard many bad attempts by composers who are not of indian descent uh to emulate indian uh, an indian sound and it just it's 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 a caricature. It's a musical caricature, and in this case, this is the furthest thing it can be. And Alpha something is of South Asian origin himself. So themselves, sorry. Uh, so I am very aware of their connection and the the musicians they play. Like you cannot fake that kind of authentic South Asian vocal styling. And it's beautiful. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're up to our final uh, selection of the pieces. Um, and this is one uh, that you haven't played on the radio for me, despite asking a few times <laughs> now. Um, but we will play it here today. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you will be taken, transported right back to the moment where you first heard this uh, when you were playing this earlier this year. How do you follow up a game like Breath of the Wild, which was incredible, with Tears of the Kingdom and just just knock it out of the park? I don't know what it is about Nintendo. There is some Nintendo magic that happens. Now, truth be told, I have not played Tears of the Kingdom, so I <sighs> That's I know why you I played know. it. Of course, you would have. You yeah, would be right. straight on there every single week. <laughs> oh man! Now, if that were the case, the yeah. play, what you hear on the radio would be very different. But I think there's some okay. So I was mentioning John Williams earlier, right? The thing about John Williams is that as memorable as his themes are, if you try to play them on the piano, for me, I'm usually I usually play things by ear, but those melodies have some very specific like one or two notes will be won't be where you expect them. And so so you'll kind of try to play it by ear and be like, "Oh no, I miss it's actually this note, it's actually this note. He's done this thing, he's that." And I think that's what happens in this theme specifically. Da, 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 da. like those notes kind of land in different places uh than you'd expect so the fact that they play they give you what you expect but then play with it a, just enough to throw you off uh i s imagine is representative of the game oh absolutely you, you've, you've clearly played it like oh, they've given you breath of the wild with yeah. enough unexpected things to be like oh i can and i think that's the same thing with, with the spider-man 2 you know that's you know, Spider-Man One and Miles Morales, with enough enough new stuff to kind of be, to 
to just not let you settle, not let you feel kind of complacent or feel, feel too comfortable. Being like, oh yeah, I'm just doing the things like, oh, I'm doing this new thing now. Um, well, so, <laughs> think, so much of yeah. Tears of the Kingdom is about revisiting places and, and time has progressed. So you actually go back mm. and you can feel a lot of those like key themes within the music, those, um, you know, those elements that make it work. And then there, there's layers upon that or, or the instrumentation has changed or, you know, all of these bits and pieces. And it's really like, okay, well, you know, this is what you knew, but now it's different and things are different. And that's all about what that mm. game is. So, And that's what Breath of the Wild was though, because even musically, when you visit some of those locations, like particular temples, you might hear a broken, ver like you might visit a broken temple and hear a broken version of that theme from Ocarina of Time. You know, this, I think that's the whole ethos of Zelda. You know, it's, uh, and you know, there's been, a, been countless takes at this point of the story. Um, of that central story and just like remixing and reshuffling and giving you a new version of it and a new way to, to approach it. And that's what the music has been. You, know, you don't need to, like as iconic as that original theme from 1986 or seven was, um, it, you don't need to keep hearing it. That's why, that's why that original Zelda theme stands on its own. The Ocarina of Time theme stands on its own. Um, Skyward Sword stands on its own. Breath of the Wild Tears of the Kingdom both stand on their own. Um, and composers Manaka Kataoka, Masa, Masamiyoshi, Masato Hashi, and Tsukasa Usui. Just beautiful work across, just across the whole the whole score. Um, to feel that it's, it's, a, it's a worthy follow-up of one of the biggest games of 2017. And just the most, it's that, you know, <laughs> it's Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate. Uh, those are the kinds of games that people play and then walk into like game developers will play and then walk into a meeting it's like make me so a I Zelda. Played, so I, so I, <laughs> I played tears of the kingdom over the weekend and uh i think we should make it again <laughs> yeah well this is the thing it's like the definitely game development changed after yeah breath of the wild right you saw so much of that influence come into all the games 100%. that we played i think we had um horizon forbidden west on the list last year when we were talking about that oh, yeah. and that was a game an open world game that existed before that but still the next one was so inspired by that Baldur's gate is going to be exactly the same in a couple <laughs> yeah, of years time oh my god, oh, my god. how many Baldur's gate clones are we gonna <laughs> not clones uh inspirees yeah well it'd be interesting get? to see because <laughs> some of those things about those particular projects is you know they've managed to hit the target in in a way that is nearly impossible to do um you know and i think you know i've seen some developers talk about like it's hard to compare against those projects which are just at a scale that is beyond that um what most developers can create but some of those key things i think will come back you know and uh just like the themes that we hear and, and they get repeated throughout <laughs> breath of the wild and throughout tears of the kingdom if you know they're there you'll notice them but if you don't you'll just enjoy the whole whole piece yeah, altogether. so yeah sure it's definitely um one of my favorite i'm glad we got to put that on uh your <laughs> list of uh, 2023's se yeah, selections that was and that was eight soundtracks in a stacked year for video game releases um it, this was killing me because uh, this could have been at least 80, 80 scores <laughs> uh, to go with. But uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's just so much. So, well, I'll say this. Mm. The reason I chose these eights were kind of for the delight factor. I felt like these are very delightful moments in 2023 
which is a which has been a very hard year for a lot of people um and for people to you know to be able to experience uh something like a like a fully interactive musical to experience the biggest dnd game uh like the biggest scale dnd game with the most beautiful melodies um or to visit new caledonia or be transported to south asia all these kinds of those are maybe those that's where I kind of felt the delight factor, right? Mina, it's been all uh, an, another super duper fun uh, <laughs> journey back through music uh, for uh, 2023. Uh, where can people check out all your stuff if they want to find out what you're working on in uh, 2024, which we're almost at um, in the yes. coming year? Uh, so my website, minashamali.com, M-E-E-N-A-S-H-A-M-A-L-Y. Um, otherwise, you can find me at Musophrenic on social media, uh, M-U-S-O-P-H-R-E-N-I-C. Basically, just look me up on a, <laughs> on social media. Whichever uh, whichever platform survives <laughs> the social media apocalypse. Uh, and uh, on ABC Classic, the game show, um, coming back in 2024. Uh, is there anything else? Yeah, no, uh, yeah. I think that's that'll do it. Me. That'll do it for yeah. now. Do what I do on the ABC Listen app and just uh, hit subscribe or follow on that show, and then you can just yes. load them up whenever you're ready to go. Have a listen. I often listen to the game show when I'm um, out mowing the lawn. I don't know why. It's oh, just my thing I like to listen very to. Nice. So, yeah. you know, as- I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense because uh, video game music often exists with a lot of competing with a lot of sound effects. So the barrage of uh, lawn mowing noises. Uh, seeing how the score stacks up against it would be interesting. Yeah, it's really, really good. <laughs> good stuff to do out in the garden. Um, Sifter is uh, produced by Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang, Chris Button, uh, Courtney Borat, and Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is our senior producer. And my name is Gianni DiGiovanni. I'm the executive producer. Thank you for joining us again for another year of uh, amazing, cool, interactive video games, people just making awesome stuff. Um, We really appreciate you spending the year with us and uh, checking that all out. So if you like what we have done at any point, um, I'd ask you, if if possible, could you share it with a friend? If you think it's cool, if you like what we do, um, it's one of the best things you can do. As Mina sort of alluded to, the social networks have kind of disappeared into a black hole of destruction <laughs> recently. So you telling a friend, honestly, has such an amazing uh, impact. You don't, you can't even really measure it how good it is. So um, it does make a big difference. Um, join us on all the socials. We are there at Sifter HQ. If you would like to follow us, we do post everything there. Or come join us on, on Discord as well and talk about the cool things you're playing, the cool things you're listening to that's sifter.com.au forward slash discord i just let you know we've got a few cool things coming for you um over the little christmas and holiday break um we've got a, an extended interview with the team at stray gods uh, austin wintry tripod and montaigne uh as well as liam esler uh join me for a long conversation about that that was just exclusive to podcast listeners you just have to listen to that one on your podcast player on your phone most likely um we've also going to have our games of the year for 2023 over on drop rate our review podcast podcast um, and heaps of other cool stuff as well so keep an eye out that uh, we will put, post all of that on our website sifter.com.au and we will see you on the other side of the new year until next time have fun hi chris button here from drop rate sifter's video game review podcast Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is finally here, continuing the ambitious reimagining of a beloved classic. It's very, very funny. 
I guess like that's that's part of the silliness, you know, like you have this these really big world ending stakes, you know, Sephiroth is a really terrifying villain, you know, the world's ending. And I think to have a game that is still fun and pleasant to play, I think maybe the tone is kind of it's important to strike both tones because you need that levity so that it's not constantly depressing, you know? And I think so having the characters have that humor and like having the mini games and having it be a little bit lighter hearted, I think does give you that hope. Does it uphold the legacy of the famous original or burn Midgar to ashes to forge its own path? Find out on Drop Rate, available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>